most of us know the meaning of Advent, but let's take a moment to remind ourselves as we begin by refocusing our hearts on its meaning. The word Advent means coming or arrival. In the Old Testament, the Israelite had longed for their Messiah to come, and every prophecy concerning the Messiah's first Advent was fulfilled with the arrival of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. Advent is a season to prepare our hearts to celebrate Christ's first coming and to anticipate his second coming as judge and redeemer, to complete his ultimate plan of salvation. We are eagerly waiting and longing for our Savior to come again. This Advent, our theme is how a new family changes everything. This morning, as we celebrate the second Sunday of Advent, we will reflect on God's invitation to his new family in new love and consider what that means for our lives and this world. Today's scripture passage is 1 John 4, verses 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. The first community God established is family. Family is characterized by love, and a deep sense of belongings. They have a strong, lifelong connections. They share their lives and memories. They support, sacrifice, and care for one another. They celebrate, rejoice, and endure difficult times together. They forgive, comfort, and encourage one another. This is the image of the family that God has envisioned. But in this fallen world, many families deviate from God's original design for the family. Family often becomes the source of our deepest struggles. The Bible illustrates various types of family issues, including conflicts, 
between husband and wife, siblings, and parents and children. Adam shifted the blame onto his wife. And siblings' rivalry is evident in stories like Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, and Joseph and his brothers. David experienced heartbreak due to his son Absalom's rebellion. And Hosea faced marital difficulties. It all began when Adam and Eve looked at and loved something other than God. Do you remember how Adam responded to God when he asked, Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? In Genesis 3, Adam answered, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. In his response, he placed the blame on God for his sins when he said, The woman you put here with me. What he meant was, it is not my fault. It's yours because you put Eve here with me. Then he shifted the blame to Eve, stating, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. In other words, it is not my fault. It's hers. He was implying that both God and Eve were responsible for his sin, not himself. Some of us may think that loving the Lord and neighbors is ideal and God's recommendation for us. But not loving them may be deemed acceptable because it is still seems better than committing sins. They think that even though they may not fully love the Lord and others, they still refrain from committing sins. They attend the church regularly as their minimum commitment as Christians. But that's all. They believe that they are in the middle ground, not good enough, but not significantly wrong either. But as you can see in Genesis 3, as soon as Adam loved something other than God, he committed another sin against God and his wife. Let's look at Romans 39 for a moment. The commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we view this verse from a different angle, it implies that if you don't love your neighbors, 
you will be tempted to commit those sins. Unfortunately, people commit those sins every day in this fallen world because they don't love their neighbors. Of course, they will also pursue and worship another tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They will misuse the name of God to promote their own ideas and take control over others. They won't have time to solely focus on God because they love something more than him. When they experience the consequences of their sins, they quickly blame and point fingers at God and others as Adam did. This is the beginning of another round of sins. Not loving the Lord and our neighbors quickly leads us to commit sins. So not loving the Lord and our neighbors itself are sins. There is no middle ground between the two opposing paths, loving the Lord and others and committing sins. This world chose not to love the Lord and their neighbors and is full of sins. Unfortunately, many Christians today see themselves as standing on what they perceive as the middle ground, which actually belongs to this dark world. This dark world is marked by, the, marked by an absence of love for the Lord and others. It doesn't know where, went, where things went wrong and still continues to search for answers by loving and pursuing things other than God. They're repeating the first mistake. Christians usually think they love the Lord. They don't want to think they are repeating the first mistake. Some of us may not be sure if we truly love him. We can examine our hearts this way. Suppose that everything we have has disappeared. Family, friends, home, car, job, money, and health. Let's say you have lost them all and nothing is left except God. Would you still love the Lord? Would you still be able to trust him? Would you still think you have all you need and thank him? If you can say, yes, praise the Lord, you truly love the Lord. You may think this imagination is unrealistic and too extreme 
it may seem almost impossible for it to happen in our lives. But remember, all of us will absolutely face this situation at the very last moment of our lives, with no exception. There will be a moment that we leave everything we have on earth and face only the Lord. I'm not saying this to discourage you. I'd like to encourage you to honestly look into your heart and ask God to transform you, enabling you to truly love him so that you may truly live for him and his people and be delighted in him in all situations, including the last moment. The Lord will be all you need in that moment. And it is also true now and always. My question is, do you truly love the Lord? God knows where things went wrong and the right answer for us. God demonstrated his genuine love by giving up his precious one and only son. The son, Jesus, demonstrated his love for us by laying down his life. God's love was clearly expressed not only through words, but also through a person of the Lord Jesus. Let's look at verse 9 and 10 in today's scripture passage. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus entered into this world to forgive us and invite us back into his loving family. God's love came down from heaven to earth for us. And his love was clearly made visible through the incarnation of Jesus and his work on the cross. We do not deserve such a sacrificial love, but God still loves us and gives us all that he has. It was the night before Jesus was crucified when he gave a new commandment, new command to his disciples. He had taught them all they needed for three years, and now he was giving them this command was laying the foundation to form his new spiritual family identified by love, which is the church. John 13, 35 to 30, 34 to 35. 
a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus refers to it as a new command, but it is not new because there is the old, old, commandment, old command, which is to love God, to love others. But when Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another, there is a new one filled with a new meaning because of the way that Jesus has loved us. He loved his disciples, the sick, the weak, prostitutes, Gentiles, Romans, and even those who crucified him. He loves everyone, including us, who don't deserve his love. In this scripture passage, Jesus is talking about love between fellow believers but he also invited us to love our neighbors and even our enemies as he did. The love here is what we call agape love. The original language of the New Testament is Greek and the Greek language has several words for love. Storge is the love that you have for your family. Philia is the brotherly love between friends, and eros is the romantic love that you have for your spouse. You may notice that there is one common thing for these three different kinds of love. They are based on personal feelings and emotions. But agape love is different from the types of the love that I just mentioned. It transcends our preferences, feelings, or emotions. This love is beautifully described in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. You know them all. Enjoy these four verses. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trust, always hopes, always perseveres. Agape love involves goodwill and commitment. It also involves faithfulness and willful delight in the one being loved. One Korean pastor described this kind of love well in the context of our lives in his book, and I'd like to share some of them. 
love did not originally begin with us. Love is putting the interest of others before your own. If you don't know this, you cannot love others. To love others, you must put in all your effort with help from the Lord. But there is no need to make any effort to hate others. If blaming, punishing, and excluding could change people, this world would already be a utopia. Only love can transform people. Love that cannot overcome lust, greed, and comfort, that kind of love doesn't exist. If we can live together in spite of so many differences, that is because we love. But when we do not, live, when we do not love, we won't be able to live together even with just one difference. Love seeks ways to cover the weakness of others. While hatred seeks ways to blame others for their fault. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? It is a question that those who love more ask. Actually, it is not only a question. It was also a confession of love. No matter how much we love and forgive others, we have received more love and forgiveness from the Lord. The one who loves more can yield. The one who loves more can give. The one who loves more can sacrifice their life. Jesus did just that. Knowing such a love, being emerged in that love, and not changing is a miracle. These are all great insights about new love from the Lord. Now the Lord has formed a new family in this new love. Ephesians 2, 19 to 20. Consequently, you are no longer, no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. God called us out of the darkness, and into his wonderful light through Jesus. God's original design for the family is reestablished on the foundation of Jesus Christ, who is love. Now we are members of his household. We are a new family in new love. When Jesus said in John 13, 35, 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He was talking about his new family that people had never seen before. Christ's love is unconditional, sacrificial, forgiving, and gracious. It does not matter who they are, regardless of gender, social class, or skin color. There is no favoritism or discrimination in the new family. In this world, there is no group of people identified by this love except the church because this love is only from God, not from anyone, anything else, anyone else. This new family, the church, is unique and recognized by their love for each other. When people see that love among us, they will know that we are his disciples and would be drawn to Christ's love. In today's scripture passage, verse 12 says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We belong to a new family and we are to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We should love others, whether they are fellow believers, strangers, or enemies. You are not doing this to win God's heart. He already chose to love us. Our love for God and our obedience is a response to his unconditional love. Our motive is deep gratitude. When you taste the love of God and experience this power of love, you cannot remain unchanged because God's love is transformative and love will flow freely from our heart to others. Our triune God is love and perfect loving family. He decided to extend the circle of love to us and created this world. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into this world and made his love clearly visible through the work of Christ on the cross. Now his spirit lives in us and his love radiates from the Lord in us. God's original design for the family is reestablished on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Heaven is the large home for the family. God is inviting our spiritual home, River Park Church, to grow as a small heaven on earth, 
until he comes again. The Lord continues to reveal his presence through his people and shine on those in living in the darkness and in the shadow of death. When we, as a new family, truly love the Lord and love our fellow believers, neighbors, and enemies in every situation, as Jesus has loved us, God's love will clearly be visible to them. And they will see the true light already shining on them from the Lord. To pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to our place. We thank you for calling us out of the darkness and into your light, and inviting us to your loving family. Lord, we pray for the strength to love you and your people in every situation. May your love shine brightly in this dark world, revealing your presence to those living in the shadow of death. Lord, continue to bless us as a new family in your love and lead us to grow together as a small heaven reflecting your love grace and mercy in this world until your glorious return in Jesus name Amen